0: Thank you for listening to The Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? You are listening to The Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data your passion. This is your host, Dapper Data. I have an extremely extraordinary, focused, driven guest on the podcast today. I want you all to to make sure you tune in, make sure you really focus in, make sure you take notes. Okay. You got to take notes. Okay. Because this person, this young individual, is going to blow your mind. Um, You know, as you all know, we always talk about. Uh, whether it's high level, whether it's a real deep dive, right? We'll we'll dive into data science, we'll dive into data, we'll bring on people that are restaurant owners that never have touched data in their life, right? But introduce them to something called data science, right? Introduce them to data and uh, analysis, being able to focus on something that we know that is a passion of ours, you know, or a passion of mine, right, and the audience, and and really help them understand how they can use data in their everyday life, right? We want everybody to know that data, data, data is important, right? You know, and that's why I brought this podcast to you all, you know, but today, right, this is different, right? Because we're not diving into deep programming languages, right? We're not talking about supervised and supervised learning. We're not talking about, um, you know, Python programming, R programming, you know, we're not even speaking to somebody that um, is like maybe the CEO of, uh, of, of a data thinking company, right? But maybe um has never used data in in their time, or we're talking to somebody that has probably covered the gambits, right? <laughs> has probably covered multiple facets, and and at such a young age, you know, we're we're going to talk about how to intersect data science, neuroscience, and artificial intelligence all in one, right? We're gonna we're gonna talk about how somebody has been able to do that. At an early stage in their in their life, and and is making a true difference in their world right now, you know. And and you know, I like to bring on these guests, so I'm bringing on Keelan Cooper. Okay, say hello, everybody. Say hello, Keelan.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: Glad to. Be here. <laughs> so so Keelan right is a is a cognitive scientist at the University of California, um, also a National Science Foundation fellow. Uh, he's worked and and on multiple research projects, and he'll be able to tell you some. Of the coolest ones that he's done so far, you know, and he's co-founder of something called Continual AI. You know, we're gonna start off with that because I'm being selfish. I want to hear about it more than anybody, you know. So I'm not, I'm not even gonna say that the audience was there about it, you know. But, but that's one of the largest global artificial intelligence research nonprofit spanning academia and and and, and in the industry right now, you know. And so, without further ado, please welcome keelan cooper you know keelan tell them a little bit about yourself
0: yeah so hi everybody uh, my name is keelan cooper i couldn't have introduced myself better and i don't even believe that i did half of those things um, <laughs> uh, i'm super happy to be on and to, to talk with you all and yeah, just a little bit about um what is probably uh, all boils down to my addiction to data is probably what i would call it and, and learning from data um, so much so that I think it's funny that you brought up restaurant owners because we were just talking to one of our friends who uh, owns a restaurant and we we're like, how can we like learn from like some of their data And he's like doing everything on paper has like no, has, yeah, and so that's the reverse so like, all right, we gotta, we gotta implement some data collection um, programs. We got to get you spreadsheets like at the start and then maybe we can graduate up. And so now we're getting like all these pictures of like receipts and stuff from the restaurant, just like in JPEG images and like trying to go back and put them in spreadsheets to try and make sense of stuff. Man, man. Where is that located? Where is that restaurant located? (laughs) You can't. It's in Japan. It's in Japan.
1: Okay, okay. I I own a restaurant. I didn't take it in in Ghana, in Africa and across.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah and I do a lot of the data science stuff there, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of the data analyst work and stuff like that. You know, being able to uh, do things. I'll give an example, right? Having a, a car drive pass, right? If they've already been a part of the loyalty program, being able to give them a text message, right, to say, "Hey, you know, look, like
0: you know, location-based good. marketing, yeah, 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 exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. You know, or uh, being able to speed up, right? Uh, the the server, the the every uh, the being able to do timing." analysis somebody, and being able to make sure that they get things uh sped up faster right you know just yeah, to, yeah, yeah. just to deliver the menu uh items um, faster but yeah man that's oh man that's awesome sorry sorry i interrupt you Wait, no
0: no that's super, that <laughs> yeah it's like a super cool problem and like i think it's because like we eat three times a day or two times a day <laughs> right. so like, you know what i mean so like you're always there and you're always and whenever you're like uh, my food's too slow, I could probably fix this, right? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> uh, man,
1: so, so, anyway, so I want to
0: continue AI.
1: AI, right? You know, we have to start off with that because for me personally, I am currently in my, uh, my final phase, right, of my doctoral degree, right? We talked about that before. And I hear research, right? I think I belong there. I need to. I need to be part of that, right? I need to solve problems, right? I need to look at how to better, um, you know, my dissertation, right? Now. That's the yeah. that's the part that I'm in, you know. Um, talk about continue AI, you know, what is that about? What is it doing to impact the world?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, the the reason I kind of got started in this area was I. I was doing neuroscience research as, as an undergraduate and, and all that, but I was really interested in um, the idea of like how, like how do we read, right? So that that does, like if I wanted to design like some AI system theoretically to read every book in a library or something, because I sure as heck can't, right? Like <laughs> you want to learn all these things and like are rate limited by however fast you can read. And I was like, right. so what would an AI that could read look like? Um, and just around the same time I was thinking that um, I went to talk by one of the professors at the school, Mike Jones, who does that research. He studies like um, natural language processing systems in both humans and in kind of like the, the natural language processing algorithms and kind of compare and contrast algorithms. And one of the problems that that they were facing was that when you used like Word2Vec by Google, so this is the mm-hmm. the underlying neural engine that kind of supplanted the standard natural language processing algorithms. It overnight transformed Google translate from being kind of crappy to being like, wow, that's decent. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were using word to vec Um, but the issue was that depending on how you trained the algorithm, On the so you get this big text corpus, you feed it into the algorithm, it learns the associations between the words, and that's some approximation of semantics in the sentence. You know, Mm -hmm. it's rudimentary, but it, you know, in practice it works. Um, But what we found was the issue was depending on how you trained that neural network, um, Mm -hmm. the meanings of the word to the network would change. And what we ended up showing was that. This was a long known problem in in neural networks far beyond anything we were doing. This has been well known since, like, you know, the late 60s, 70s Um, catastrophic forgetting, Um, Mm -hmm. which boils down to the fact that you take a neural network, deep neural network, You train it on data. So say you have like your standard image classifier that's going to look at dogs versus cats. And Mm -hmm. you train your network on dogs and it learns dogs. You get 90% accuracy. That's great. You take that same trained network on a new problem, say cats, and then you train it up on cats. You test it Mm -hmm. on cats, 90% accuracy. You're doing great. But then you take that same network and test it back on dogs, the first data set that you gave it, and it Mm -hmm. completely forgot everything that you had given it. Yeah. And so what yeah. happens is depending on the order of how you train your network, um, the network's going to overwrite any of its learned associations to whatever the most recent data set is. This is a big problem because, you know, if you want to build these grand AI machines that can do all sorts of tasks, that's the, the chief complaint for AI, right? It's like, oh, it can play chess to superhuman but superhuman capabilities, but can it, you know, do anything else? And the answer is almost right. Wrong. Right, right yeah um, And so this this is like the the problem to solve. catastrophic forgetting um, which is probably the main impetus for continual learning as like a research area kind of far beyond our organization, um, which is just designing tools and new algorithms and just trying to understand in the beginning how can you make AI, specifically neural networks, learn multiple tasks without forgetting the old ones that they had learned. Oh. Right. And, and to me, like, you know, in a practical sense, you know, that's a useful problem in terms of uh, energy costs for companies, because you have to keep retraining on the entire data set every time. Right. So there's a bunch of energy for companies. It's a green
1: and data. historical data, right? You know, to continue to, to drive. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or if you don't have access. So like a lot of um, medical domains you only have limited access to your data because of um, privacy laws so you can't just like ship the data to to it sitting on someone's server because you know you have some time limited so you would want to train your algorithm and like retain what you've learned and then add to that consistently um but if you're you're constantly forgetting whatever you recently learned then you have to retrain on the entire data set or corpus right (laughs) so so there's the practical sense but in the you know. It's, we're all in this because we dream of having like Jarvis or like the grand AI that can do anything. Um, that's a huge hurdle for any like general artificial intelligence system. You you want an AI that can just, you know, you set it loose on the world and it'll just keep soaking up information like we do. That's what, you know, yeah. what we do. Hopefully yeah. after we have this conversation, you're not going to forget like your dissertation or right. <laughs> some other thing that led into this. I mean, all right. Well, I
1: would say you may make me uh, um, change my topic. It's too it's too late for that though. <laughs> but oh, yeah,
0: no, yeah. <laughs> it applies to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So anyway, I I met up with some a postdoctoral scholar at the time. His name was Vincenzo Lamonico. Um, he's now a professor in Italy, and we we got to talking about this. This was like his main research area, and um, we had a shared interest, and we. We decided to say, hey, there's like a lot of this is like a new burgeoning field that was just kind of kind of organizing all of these little problems in machine learning at the time. So catastrophic forgetting was the big one, but there's also like transfer learning, which applies, um, representational drift and, and some other issues. And we're like, let's what what would a community of these people look like if we all just put them together and they could just talk and, and share their ideas? Um, and so we built a website um, we called it continual ai because continual learning is kind of the, the grand goal for this All right um, and it kind of just took off um i i think yeah. A little bit, it was just people are interested in what this could be, like, what would those algorithms look like? A lot of people were practitioners and they were facing these problems and needed advice. Um, a lot of students who were, you know, are just interested in AI in general, and this was a cool way to get involved. Um, and so we've kind of built this community around this topic in AI um, that's really just taken off and, and grown. Uh, over the last couple of years, and it's been really, really exciting to see all of the things that that people are doing and sharing and, and building.
1: Yeah, and that no, that's amazing, you know. And I I did a lot of reading on on what you all are doing, you know, and and there's so much, um, there's so much that artificial intelligence can do to impact education, right? And we don't talk about it as much, right? We don't talk about how. Um, AI can impact, you know, education at every level, right? From from yeah. pre-K all the way up to doctoral degrees, right? When you talk about research, doctoral degrees, things like that, that that's really cool, you know. But but even when you're talking about um, um, from a pre-K to uh, to to twelfth grade point of view, you know, that's something that I personally have uh, shown some interest in, right? Trying to bring AI involved in that where I'm thinking about um, uh, different ways that that children learn, right? You know, they have different ways that they learn, and you know, to be able to pass some of these tests that are out there, right? You know, it may be uh, focused on one learning method versus another, you know, and 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 when they decide to take that test, they may struggle because that's just not the way they've been taught through a teacher, you know, throughout the entire time, and then yeah. they think. Yes. and they're like, man, you know, I, I'm i more visual than audio, right, you know, or something like that, and I'm sure that AI can make some type of impact in this world when it comes down to those things and being able to help kids transition, you know, throughout pre-K through 12th grade or something. Do you think so?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so, and there's actually, um, actually where I am now at, at the University of California, there's a um, a lot of really interesting research that other people are doing on, on that sort of thing, like AI assisted education technology. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to see because like, I remember, like, I grew up like right at the like dawn of when people were trying to like put some lessons online and you know, what's huh? <laughs> that? Um, but like some of the things they're doing now are just really, where like you're learning exactly like where, like say math, is like where exactly are the students struggling in? And mm-hmm. like, the machine will learn and then it will like target the questions towards those deficits and try and build those up and not worry about some of the other things. And, yeah, yeah really, no, awesome. amazing,
1: right? you know, I, I wish I had that when I was when I was younger. Right. You yeah. know, I'm a visual learner. Yeah. And I would love to um, figure out, you know, if I'm sitting next to somebody in class and they're mm-hmm. learning the same thing, but differently. Right you know, maybe they're audio learning and they're saying, look, or, or um, uh, what is it like kinetic or something like that? You know, what, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're able to learn maybe a different way, but the same thing, right? To get to the same point, you know, that we're all trying to get to, it would be it would be amazing, right?
0: It really would be. And like some of the results are like, people are learning better than than you would otherwise because you have that kind of targeted help. And I mean, like in a practical sense, I mean, yeah, that, that's good because a teacher, for example, if you have 30 students in a classroom, you would like to get to know each student and know exactly where right. they're struggling and what the, how they learn, like if they like to have examples worked out or whether they like to, you know, see the big picture or they like to like memorize, you know what I mean? But like, it, you know, right. teachers are underpaid. They have like a bunch of classrooms and, you know, 30 students times in periods is a lot of people to try and keep straight, but exactly. also <laughs> doing everything else. And so hopefully, like these things over time will just at the very least get like take a little weight off their shoulders. And, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: sure it will. I'm sure it will. Yeah. You know, uh, so. All right. So you have done a lot of, of research within neuroscience. Right. You know. Yeah. And. and you know, we talk about how um, there is a connection to artificial intelligence within neuroscience, right? You know, where do you see, based off of your research, the biggest similarities and differences between those two?
0: Yeah. So I I like to think of what I'm doing now as kind of like a, a feedback loop. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's always existed since, since I would say maybe the dawn of AI, um, where, what we learn from neuroscience and how the brain works ends up being applied to build better AI algorithms, and mm-hmm. smarter algorithms. And then you take that those algorithms, and especially nowadays, you reapply that to neuroscience and use it to learn more things about how the brain works, whether it's on the modeling side or even as tools. Like some of the recent stuff we're doing now is using deep learning to help decode mm-hmm. some of the, the spiking activity of what the, the brain is doing. And we couldn't have done this without deep learning. Um, some of the existing algorithms just weren't strong enough and just couldn't pull out some of these patterns. And now we have really good tools, um, just again from like a data analysis perspective, that mm. that can do these things. And so it's only going to get you know it's only going to get stronger and stronger as we learn more about how the brain works, build better AI. AI helps us learn more about how the brain works, um, but but it's always existed. Um,
1: oh even before we start talking about it now it's it's been existing for some years you say
0: yeah since i mean like everyone talks about the ai winters but if you go back yeah, and right. you, look at, <laughs> if you look at some of like the early the early like say for example like the the deep neural network papers um mm-hmm. they're usually called connectionist models and what those mm-hmm. connectionist models really were were they were cognitive scientists or half of the time psychologists really who are just trying to model their data in, with, with some tool. And so these are people who are working with people and they're kind of on the more mathematical psychology bent and usually they fit their data with like regression and stuff, but they mm. wanna have a little bit, you know, more biologically plausible model. And so they, they built these connectionist models to like help model their data. Um, and so if you look at some of the like 1960s papers and like the early Earlier years of neural networks; those are pretty much the entire theme. Even like Geoffrey Hinton, Mm, who's like, if you read his early papers, they're basically cognitive science papers. It's it's not you you don't really see machine learning. It's more like trying to fit some psychological data, and this is the model that seems to work.
1: They're not Um, using necessarily the technology in place, right? They're not using the tools and stuff like that, but they're they're they have these same vision right they have the same mindset that we have now today
0: yeah yeah I think there's been kind of a a a divergence I mean it it still exists but I think what happened over time is that statisticians and and computer scientists and you know people who have real problems in the real world you know to solve and they're not just trying to figure out how the mind works or psychology Mm -hmm. Um, they're like these just so happen to be a really powerful function approximator and really powerful statistical learning machine and mm-hmm. like you know image classification was done you know by computing features by hand or, or or something else and then when you found out that YouTube could learn an image of cats but like <laughs> you know right you're like, well okay, maybe this has some promise and so, I think it, it's kind of moved a bit from that kind of roots of, of trying to understand, use these as a model to understand psychology or neuroscience um, to being this this strong tool of artificial intelligence to solve like, you know, AI is everywhere now. You hear it everywhere. And whether or not we and want to call it AI, you know, it, it's doing a lot of stuff.
1: And I, I see it, you know, sort of emulating, right? You know, human intelligence, right? You know, I... I I don't know how far it will be to where or how long it will take to get to the point where um, it may take over. And we'll, I guess we'll talk about that a little later because I definitely want to know um, your thoughts on that, you know. But, yeah, I think about some of the impressive features that come along with uh, when you're blending the two, right, you know, and I think about, you know, self-driving vehicles, right, Tesla, you know, trying to deal with that, right, and that reliable sort of like object recognition that you have Mm -hmm. in place, you know, Um, and being able to do things like detecting breast cancer, right, you know, future and stuff, right, you know, faster than doctors can do now, right, Mm -hmm. you know, so there, you know, there's tools, there's things out there that is happening, right, and so it's, it's, for me, is mind blowing. You know, uh, you're doing a lot more research and a lot of feel. You know, to interconnect the two, You know, and I just don't know if there's going to be a time where you say, "Hey, uh, you won't be able to tell the two right, or you won't be able to tell the difference between the two. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a a, a joke. Uh, I don't know. Joke in the eye field that like there's a problem that that people pose. So, like for example, at one point in time, chess wasn't solved. Nowadays, you download chess on the App Store and you can play the most advanced AI, right? But like, mm. imagine a time when chess wasn't solved and people say this is like the height of human intelligence, chess is a hard thing to learn. AI mm. learns chess and you're like, wow, that's really cool. Look at it learn. And then the second that you somebody goes and says, oh, well, this is just tree search. You're just searching through all possible combination. And then you know, and you're like, oh, well, you know, that's not that, intre- you know, it's not that smart. It's just, right, like, right. you like, right? And so then you like move the goalpost up a little bit. You're like, oh, well, we think Go is, the, or Jeopardy is strong. It's like, oh, it's not really Jeopardy. It's just like database searching through Wikipedia. Again, right, just, right. Just, oh, not that smart. Ken Jennings can like chew gum and play Jeopardy at the same time or pour himself a cup of coffee. This thing can't, Right. And so then you right. move the goalpost up and it's like, oh, tree search isn't the problem. Um, <laughs> If we if we do a problem that can't be searched, that'll be smart. And then at yeah. all beat go. And they're like, oh wow. Then it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's not really that smart. Right. And you just move the right. goalpost up and up. It's like, oh, we need a computer to do a backflip and walk down the road. You've seen the Boston Dynamics robots mm-hmm. probably that like do all these crazy things. Like, wasn't well, right. that, really that smart? Like, you can kick it and it falls down, right? And so anyway, as, as time goes on, the, the goalpost keeps moving up and up and up and up and up and up. And there's the, a famous philosopher, his name's the, um, Daniel Dennett. And he kind of jokes that like all we are are just what like, he calls like a cognitive bag of tricks. That mm-hmm. just like the AI, like once neuroscience gets advanced enough for like, we learn how we work, mm-hmm. then we would be like, well, you know, we're not that smart. I mean, like if right. you saw my last math test, you would see that I didn't do as good as I wanted right, to right. I right. mess up words all the time, or maybe I'm not as smart as we think we are. And so I right. think it ends up being like the definition of intelligence in general, um, because we don't have a good... We kind of know what it is. We're like, humans are are that, humans are smart. We can do a lot of things and we built great things, but we can't really even precisely put that into some definition where we have that benchmark and say, once AI hits that, then we've done it. And so, you know, philosophers have tried and there's been books and people have said whether or not it's possible for years. And I mean, yeah it, it's a subjective thing in, in the sense of like when will I we agree. actually get there um i mean people are super afraid of ai they're like oh, once once it's there it's already too late oh,
1: like, i always say like, don't run from it man just yeah, embrace it yeah.
0: like if once you learn how these things work now you will realize that we are we are yeah. far away from 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 hitting from even over right. yeah Right, right, exactly.
1: I agree, you know. Um uh and a lot of times people don't understand how AI is being used and they and they're using it, but they're you know, they're they're thinking, Oh, okay, this is just some I guess they just call it technology or some type of cool advancement, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, natural the process is in place in many aspects, right? I mean, just something as simple as like, you know, a uh, uh, Google or something like that, you know, what they're doing with like Gmail and things like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of, a lot of people um, are still they're They're using it, but they don't understand, right, that it's, it's actually being implemented slowly right, in your lives, yeah. and definitely uh, um, impacting you.
0: And that's what I normally like when I teach it to people, like what I normally say is like, try and ignore all of the fancy, like Terminator images, or like deep neural networks <laughs> and complicated math. And like no. all of these, like, I almost want to say marketing things mm-hmm. that put on top of this even by scientists because like we think it's cool and it can do something but like is it really you know strong AI probably not And just to think about like say like a deep neural network that can you know identify images or like a deep fake um, mm-hmm. you look at that that's cool like the the Obama deep fake was yeah incredible. yeah, yeah. It one, incredible? yeah. <laughs> is, like, But when you when you take a step back and you actually think about what these algorithms are, is the second you replace every time you hear like AI with like statistical model, I think mm. you start to make these seem like the more mathy equations that they are. because yeah. it, It's not really cognition. Uh, some things are, and then some domains, I think they are actually starting to get close. But the vast majority of, of, of algorithms, I think when you just like slip in the word like statistical model, And instead of think of these as like some black box AI and start thinking them more of like y equals mx plus b, Mm -hmm. then that starts to to make more sense. And that's a lot of the times what they are. It's a really fancy way of like trying to find a function between some input data and output data, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially in the supervised sense, right? Like even when you write the neural network equation, it's effectively the equation for fitting data. Um, Or, you know, classifiers, you're finding a really fancy way in multiple dimensions to draw a line between clusters of features, clusters, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? like that's—I mean—that's what neural networks got famous for—is that like they could solve the XOR problem, where um, they could add a dimension to data to separate, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think to just try and like take a breath away from the venture capital hype of like, ooh, this is AI, you know, and just kind of like taking stock of what these things really are. Um, will be good, one, from the research side, because, you know, we want to get there, and we will get there, and people are working on to get to that point where these are actually really cognitive machines and are doing things, you know, across the board, not just in each little domain, um, better than us. It's going to happen. It's probably inevitable. Um, but right now, you know, to not be afraid and not just, like, hear all of the hype and get kind of, like, worked up about it and to just... You know, really it's think like these are really powerful tools. They're really powerful statistical tools and Mm -hmm. they can be used to do things in mathematics that we could never do before. Right. Um, right. And so, you know, that's good. But, you know, is it is the problem that these are going to take over the world a bigger issue than a biased data set might disenfranchise somebody?
1: Mm. I think the latter is a way more
0: pressing problem than like dreaming about a Terminator scenario.
1: Right, because. And because that's going to take, we're not, we're, we probably, I mean, I don't know, I I know me, I may not be here during the time that it does take over. <laughs> yeah, I, know. You know? I mean, who knows, you know, I don't know. We'll I work mean, harder
0: so you can see it.
1: <laughs> What'd you say?
0: We'll try and work harder so you can see it.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that's what I wish, you know, that I could see something like that, you know, um, being able to see AI evolve right now is even amazing, you know, um, but like you said, you know, there's there's harder problems to be solved right now, um, bigger issues to be solved right now, and and, and including AI, right? Within AI, mm-hmm. you know, I've had many people on um, the podcast, right, that talked about bias within AI, right? That mm-hmm. talked about yeah. um, the, the the ethical issues that come along with, with, with that, right? You know, and, and that's a problem that's here right now it needs to be solved before we make some master thing that takes over the world because if if not solved, right? Then we're we're gonna probably have a bigger problem, right? In the future.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean it makes it makes sense, right? Like if you just told somebody like, I wrote a model that is gonna predict whether or not I hand out loans. And Mm -hmm. you say, okay, so how did you build that model? And it's like, well, I just took 15 of the wealthiest women in America. (laughs) <laughs> I looked at I looked at their qualities, and if you meet those, and you're like, I'm, why, what, what does that have to do with, with me getting a loan? Right. A small biased data set will, you know, trickle down, and, affect everything. and that's happening now. Um, and so I think those are the things to really worry about. And, and there's, right. I mean, in the last few years, really good efforts in how to detect it, and how to mitigate it, and how to, you know, overcome that, I think, more than ever. But um, and I'm always being. I mean, that's a great
1: point that you made because uh, when you talk about like small data sets, right? You know, being able to to be used for big impacts, right? <clears throat> you know, if you're trying to make a huge difference in the world, um, I I don't understand how you know small data sets are even implemented in this place, right? You know, to be able to do that, right? Or maybe multiple you know, collecting them together, you know, it, it just seems like, you know, how can you make such a big difference or how can you implement it and and change the world with such a small data set? Do you see that happening often? Well, that
0: well I, I think it's again, I think it's part of this the the disconnect between like thinking of these as statistics, thinking of mm-hmm. these as like if you were fitting a regression problem versus mm-hmm. thinking these as like some abstract AI. Because if you were fitting a regression problem, your like statistics knowledge will bit in, will kick in, you're like, okay, well, I don't have enough data points, the variance in my data is really low. Um, okay. there's some like bias distribution, the data, right? You would think of all of those like, you know, statistics 101 things that you learn about like what is a good model and those things. But when you think of these as like AI, that's you know, this is a smart machine that learns from data. And surely, this smart machine will be able to overcome those deficits in the data. Right. right. <laughs> right? Like surely, like when I'm learning features from images, half the time when you don't even really understand what these abstract features are. Surely, those are the right features because I get 90% accuracy on my data set, or this can beat me in chess, or this can do things better than me. And so then we start to feel like, oh, maybe I, maybe it is right, and I'm wrong. Right. And there's no yeah. way. Really, but, but again, like if you just think of it as like. I'm drawing a line between clusters of data. If those clusters of data are messy, your line isn't gonna be very good. And you can't you know, generalize from the data that you have.
1: That's a great point. That's a great point. You know? So to close out that one discussion, right? I mean, okay. I just wanna make sure that we, that we know what your thoughts are. Will AI take over eventually? Will it take over the world?
0: Yeah, I mean, in some ways it's already taken over. Mm-hmm. in 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 the sense of of you know they're they're building ai into every processor nowadays right like you you see mm-hmm. like like the ai chip in your phone and like no neural networks is there and it depends on like how you define ai because 20 years ago some of the things that are just general computer science you know algorithms that you wouldn't even brand as ai because they're not cool anymore you know mm-hmm. 30 40 years ago those things were like huge advances um, mm-hmm. and so i mean I, I really think it just depends on, on on what you mean usually when people say that is like am i going to be a slave to the machine like right going or am be... i gonna
1: lose my job right that's what they care
0: about yeah and it's like if that's your if that's your issue then you know you might already in the sense that like, <laughs> microtrading algorithms like the flash crash in the stock market right it's like, that could have been worse. It wasn't, but, you know, people could have lost all their life savings or a bank might have defaulted or, you know, right. or, or you might not even get your job because the resume algorithm might have biased data in the first place. And, and right, you get, get right. It. And I always like, say,
1: oh, good, sorry. No no no, 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 no. Oh, no, I mean, you make a great point, you know, and I always say that it's not about as the as generations as you bring a new generation, right? People come in and they're learning new things, you know, um, the younger generation, right? It's not about whether you lose your job or not. It's, the focus will be different, right? You're going to maybe be the ones that are doing more of the research, being behind the machine, right? You know, and the machine can handle a lot of the automated tasks. That's what I think of, right? They're handling a lot of the things... Uh, to be able to to crunch everything faster right you know being able to come up with this this uh you know predicting the future things like that you know that's great you know but you still have to uh, feed it something right you know you still have to be able to uh do some type of work behind the scenes and you know it's figuring out those are the roles that that you'll be playing right versus playing the roles that are in the front where the machine has now taken over right you yeah. know so i I, I guess that's the way I think of it, right? You're not going to lose your job. Well, the the generation now is a possibility, right? But <laughs> you know, try to figure out new skills, right, in place yeah, to they'll be
0: fine. They'll you know. be fine. They'll <laughs> they'll there, be a little bit of transitory period, but I think I mean, my God, when I was in like high school, and like remember, like what were the like three things that like your mom would say? She'd be like. You spend too much time on YouTube. You spend too much time playing video games. All right. <laughs> you spend too much time playing with computers. And now you go look at like people who just made a million dollars trading Bitcoin or professional YouTubers and podcasters mm-hmm. and people who are professional game. Like there's a scholarship program at my school for video game, like being a, a video game player. They give you a full ride tuition as if you were like an, a, a, an athlete for being oh. like an, an elite esports player. I, and I think it's awesome. Like, you should see yeah. the setups that like, they have here. Um, Man. But, but, like, you never know. And I think, like, I mean, AI is great. I love AI. And I, you know, watched, you know, Tony Stark build Jarvis and that was. Right. Like, yeah. I think that's every, like, young guy. Everybody that. thinks that. I, want to do that. I want to, like, walk into my garage and, like, Jarvis is like, hello, Keelan. How are you doing? Yeah, exactly. How are you doing? <laughs> right? I want that, and I want to build that, and I think we are slowly building that, you know, Siri, you know, everything else that we have, um, but, you know, I, I also think that, above all, humans are still the best intelligence that we have, and we're, yeah. you know, creative, think and, emotions,
1: right? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. I mean, like, we're, you know, persevere, and we'll solve all of these problems that we have, and we'll think of, like, new creative ways to make money that, like, you know, benefit to everyone and use the things that are resourced to build, you know, who knows? So um, yeah, I think there will be a period where where people will, you know, your job is going to be outsourced to machine and we need to think about ways to solve that and re-education and and Mm -hmm. slowly doing it or even like basic income or these sorts of things to like help help make that transition less painful for the most people as possible. but I think ultimately that transition, as we've done a thousand times before, will lead to way cooler things um, mm-hmm. in the long term. As long as we now are conscientious and considerate and actually think before we just, like, run 100 miles an hour and, like, start implementing everything. Um, I think it'll lead to way cooler stuff in the future that we watched in those movies. You know, Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. You yeah. know, all right. So, Keelan, you have... I'm sure that the audience right now has been able to say wow, right? You know, already, right? But they have not heard what you've done so far as far as, you know, some of the most interesting projects that you've done, right? You know, they probably haven't been able to do their research and 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 understand that, but also yeah. what's the future for you, right? You know, so what what is what is a project or two that you say that you could say has been your best project so far?
0: Yeah. Um probably the most relevant project to everyone's life um, mm-hmm. was <laughs> probably my work on COVID, um, mm-hmm. where by accident um I ended up talking with a bunch of, of researchers who study smell. And we were some of the first people, like you know, COVID, the, the strongest neurological symptom of COVID was loss of smell and taste. I was like a standout symptom. Everyone was on TikTok and everyone was on right. like a bunch of celebrities who were out there saying like, I lost my smell and taste. This is weird. Um, a lot of my friends and family did. And so um, we 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 were some of the earliest researchers um, to really um, collaborate globally and internationally and develop uh, a big research consortium to try and understand um, what caused loss of taste and smell and and what are kind of the... What's the time course? And is um, is it just smell, taste, or there's actually a third sense called chemosensis, which is spicy foods. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, like a third nerve that goes up to your head. Um, and so, yeah, that was really, really interesting to see, because like most of my stuff is like esoteric in science and it's like, mm-hmm. there's like some cortical oscillation that travels in a certain direction in, mm-hmm. in your head. And it's like, a few people in neuroscience really think that's dandy, but like, if you went to the public and said that like this oscillation goes in this direction, people don't really, okay. really like that. shit that. <laughs> well. um, I mean, I love my neuroscience research, and that's what I'm going to do in the future to answer that question. That that's where I am. But it's kind of cool to get a taste of like, what does what does science in a really big world problem look like? Um, And to see that kind of direct impact and not that delayed impact that you usually have in science, where like you're doing work and it doesn't really pay off for a few years. Um, And so, you know, to see press and to see like thousands of visitors visit a website that I built and um, to analyze some data from, you know, COVID patients like who who were right on the front line. Um, And then we also built some. like models that could use the, the taste and smell data to help predict the spread of COVID. Um, and we, we even found out that, that taste and smell was a better indicator of COVID spread than some of the traditional metrics that the government was using. And so some of our papers even got cited, in I think some like European government literature on like how to, to handle the virus. And just to oh, see wow. that the impact of like, I'm typing things on my laptop, to, you know, new, the New York Times is writing about us, and um, this government is saying that this is a useful metric, and seeing, like, the symptomology of COVID go from, you know, fever, headache, you know, um, sore throat, to loss of yeah. taste and smell, that just kind of started getting implemented on there, was really, really cool to see, and, and kind of, you know sometimes you kind of get like lost in your room it's like does anything i do really make a difference that was one of the things yes. i actually felt that like what me and especially like it was not just me it was a collaboration of of hundreds of scientists and um, doctors and patient advocates all working together to kind of like make this thing happen across the world um was was incredible was like probably one of the coolest experiences no, that's
1: awesome, you know. I mean, that's that that lets you know that what you're doing is is making a difference, right? You know, and that's yeah. that's important, you know. Um, do you so so based off of that, right? You know, there's so much more to be done probably with with COVID, but but you know, I know that you have so many different ideas, so many different things that you're probably probably spinning through your head right now. You might even came up with the idea just <laughs> just as having a conversation. I said, "Man, I need to do this." You know, what about the future, right? You know, where does Keelan see himself? You know, what kind of research do you see yourself doing, on projects? You know, in the future.
0: right? Yeah, I mean, the stuff I'm doing now is where I probably want to be long term. Mm-hmm. Um, this, 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 we have a, a big paper that's about to be be published where we're, like I said earlier, we're applying. Like deep neural networks and, and some like AI models as tools to help understand um, neuroscience data. So most of the time, what I what I study, you know, most of my time is studying is how we learn and remember in the brain. Um, and so we we record um, the activity of neurons in, in in the brain, and then we take that activity and try and decode it and make sense of like how is the brain you know forming memories or how is mm-hmm. the brain learning or or those sorts of questions. Um, and, and I think that this this kind of intersection between neuroscience and AI is incredibly powerful. Um, and it's only going to get more more um, interesting in the future as AI gets better and as we start to solve some of the problems that are plaguing in AI with new ideas from neuroscience, as
1: mm-hmm.
0: DeepMind has shown as like the best case study of this in the world. Because uh, the CEO of DeepMind, he was a PhD student in neuroscience. Um, mm yeah and he was a I didn't famous, know that. yeah dimis Hasabis. he was a PhD at london ucl he worked with a woman who did a famous study on um the hippocampus and taxi drivers And um, uh-huh. showed that like people who learn spatial maps of the world are are have bigger hippocampus which is important for memory than than other people um oh. he also did a study where <laughs> he showed the coolest study in neuroscience he probably did was that like alzheimer's patients they mm-hmm. can't um imagine the future as well as as people who don't, so like Alzheimer's affects the hippocampus and brain areas for memory. And what it okay. showed was that um, your imagination and imagining the future and this like creative capacity that we have is really dependent on the same brain areas that are important for memory. Mm-hmm. So like the, the theory goes that like what creativity is is you're just taking your memories and you're shuffling them around in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like some of his big neuroscience work. And then he, you know. Said, "Ooh, I bet I could apply this to AI. You know, beat Atari, beat Go, you know, right, right. protein folding. So anyway, yeah. in all of the models, when you read their papers, they say biologically inspired, um, episodic memory inspired, biological replay, reinforcement learning, which derives from a lot of animal literature. Um, well, so very biologically inspired AI company um, that you know, probably the world leader in, in advanced AI technologies."
1: Man, that, that that's awesome. You know, I mean, you just gave me a lot I I can't wait to to replay this to myself about a hundred times so that I can uh, <laughs> go back and do some more research on my own, you know. Um so diving into cognitive like research, right? You know, when we think about like AI versus computing, right? Yeah, cognitive computing at some point, you know, cognitive AI, you know, not to dive too deep into it, but I'm sure. Uh, from my point of view, you know, I know I've, I dealt a lot with cognitive AI in the past, you know, I mean, cognitive computing more than AI, right, mm-hmm. you know, in the past, you know, I think about, like, how to mimic human behavior, you know, yeah. at, at some point, right, you know, um, where do you see some of the differences, right, you know, deep learning, NLP, right, you got neural networks, you got, uh, but there's so many differences between that cognitive computing and and cognitive AI, you know, could you help the audience with with what your thoughts are on
0: that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll ask you first, like, what do you think the differences are like from, from your.
1: So I hear, I I see like.
0: uh, Like, like what's your gut feeling of like, this is like what I think.
1: Well, like I said, when I, when I think about computing, I think about um, or cognitive computing, I'm thinking about, uh somehow trying to take this thing this machine or something trying to mimic that human um that human behavior right you know solving some complex problems Mm -hmm. when i think about with cognitive ai i think about like um uh finding some of the patterns to learn or reveal like the hidden information or finding solutions or i think about like solving some complex problems as well but with like AI augmenting some of the human thinking, you know, focusing on, um, uh, like providing accurate results, being more accurate with results, you know, over time or something, you know? I mean, what's your, is that, does that seem like, yeah, no,
0: that's pretty much how I'm thinking about it. And maybe I would only reward it in the sense that, um, I think when we think of like cognitive computing, we think of like, Computers solving problems that were traditionally human-only problems, in kind of whatever way. Pro- so, like Jeopardy, for example. I mean, IBM, IBM Watson is probably the biggest like brand for this cognitive computing, mm-hmm. you know, field. Um, but like I was saying earlier, when you kind of like open up the hood of Watson when they played Jeopardy. You see it's like database search and, you know, it's just searching through like it's a learned Wikipedia pages, you know. Right. And is that really, you know, cognition? You know, right. Maybe. Um, and so I think that would be kind of like this cognitive computing in the sense of AI where we're solving these cognitive problems, but really by any means necessary. Like we really don't care if the algorithms are biologically plausible. We don't care if these algorithms work the same way that we do. Um, you know, you know that we can play chess however we play chess, or you can play chess by just searching all the possible moves and seeing which which trajectories are most valuable. You know, both are equally valid ways of playing chess. Some have their advantages and disadvantages. Where I think cognitive computing um, or cognitive AI is this idea of Building some artificial intelligence system that does some form of the thinking process that we do to solve the problem. So instead of just you know, so removing
1: that role of the human, right? You know, or minimizing. Or, or somehow. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I mean, it, the, it'll vary by depending on who you talk to and what their field is and how they view. You know, the whole. You know, somebody from IBM is probably going to approach this very differently than somebody who wants to build a general intelligence. But I think, like, the grand goal of AI to build this artificial intelligence that is at least equal to whatever we are, whatever our intelligence or our cognition is. However, you personally define that for yourselves. Um, I think to, to, to try and dash a little bit of that into your algorithm, to put a little bit of that thinking process and that cognitive process that we do, um, that kind of goes above and beyond. And, and we don't know how we do it. That's why neuroscience is a field. That's why we're still publishing papers. And so, again, the, the benchmarks are really hard to define because you don't know what it is you're trying to meet you kind of have some idea of like, oh, I want to solve this really hard problem. But you don't know if that's really how we do it and what the advantages and disadvantages of ours are. Um, And so I think to, to try and think about how to build an AI that can sprinkle that cognition that we've learned from, you know, a few hundred years of psychology into these problems and to do some of the things that like we can do better than the existing algorithms is probably my personal definition of what, you know, cognitive ai would look like i think
1: that's a great definition right there
0: (laughs) i mean it'll boil down to like jarvis right it's like when you when you hear jarvis in in iron man he sounds like he knows what he's talking about he sounds like he he has you know agency and a goal and a plan and he's has like some memories that he's experienced right he knows that tony stark is kind of sarcastic and so he jokes with right Mm -hmm. (laughs) these are like the little things that like you know, if you were playing chess, you would know that your opponent uh, likes to be cheeky and do, like, little moves to, like, to spite you. Or he he really, I don't know, the the human side of things. Like, you're saying emotion. Like, really, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. You know when someone's trying to piss you off. Or you know when right. someone is trying to, like, like you or, or, or make you happy. Right? These sorts of things. Um, where, like, graph search cannot do that. Or maybe you need to write it in explicitly, but like the cognitive AI would have this model of the world. Maybe that's what it is. It's this world model, this like statistical model of how the world is working, that it's constantly building for itself. And because right. of that, you make predictions of how the world's gonna work. It can edit those predictions, it can apply them to new domains, new problems. And because of that, it it can it can do those sorts of things that a traditional like savant. Database algorithm just couldn't do.
1: No, no, that's a great point. You know, I, I, I definitely think that definition is uh, uh, straight to the point. It's amazing. I think the audience will definitely grasp um, exactly what you're talking about. You know, Man. and uh,
0: you know, I mean,
1: maybe because I'm pretty technical and I understand, <laughs> maybe I grasp more. You know, we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll get the feedback. I'll let you know what to say. But I'm pretty sure. Uh, we have a, a pretty technical audience that really loves to um, to hear the the experts communicate uh, um, their thoughts on some of these things, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, thank you, right? And as I, I always end, right, some type of dope gem or or nugget, you know. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned today, Keelan, man, has been, you know, when I think about artificial intelligence, and I would say, you know, at one point, um, I didn't think we were at at this. Uh, phase, right? I know we work so hard to get to AI, right? You know, we're working harder to, to advance it. You know, I just didn't think we were that far along until I uh, did a lot more research, you know, over the more recent months um, to focus in on that aspect, right? And, you know, when I look at artificial intelligence, I see that we are really getting closer and close, closer to forming the basis for all like computer learning from a sense, right? Yeah. You know, and uh and it's the future right you know being able to make complex decisions and you know when we think about deep learning you know we're really focusing in on how we can set that foundation for a future of uh, business decision making Yeah, know and and i really i love what you said. you know is there anything that you want to leave the audience with before we get into our game
0: man yeah yeah I, like you said, hopefully this resonates with some people in the audience. But it, if it, this is a one way conversation, it doesn't have to be. Um, yeah. So if you have questions or you want to learn more, uh, my email is or how about my website? I'm sure you'll make that available. Mm-hmm. That's best way to get in contact. Reach out. I'd love to talk about it and clear up some things that I rambled on about or yeah, yeah, about how we can make AI work for you.
1: Definitely. Uh, definitely. Not
0: the other way around. Right. 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 <laughs> you know.
1: um, yeah. So many people think that uh, you know it's, it's going to take take their lives away, you know, but but you're right. You know, making it work for you, you know, kind of working side by side with that, you know. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into some of the fun stuff. Right. A game yeah. called Overrated, Underrated. I've been doing this for about 30 podcasts. Right. I like to ask the experts some fun stuff. Right. Not to get all deep and technical like we've been doing this whole time, but just to get to know the expert, right? You know, behind the scenes, like what do they like to do and what their thoughts are on things that are kind of fun to some people outside of just techie stuff all the time. Um, yeah. So I ask you a question, I'll say, hey, look, do you think this is overrated underrated? And you say it's overrated, you say it's underrated, or you say it is exactly where it needs to be. You can explain why if you want, or we can just keep moving to the next one, right? I'm ready. All right. First one, social media.
0: Underrated.
1: Underrated. Underrated. Okay, okay. The
0: power of social media, I think, is underrated. Yeah.
1: I completely agree, man. You know, um, I've had guests on there that said it's overrated, They're like, you know, that they, but but then you got to think about generations, right? You know, some people would say it's overrated. Yeah. You know, for sure, older I'm just generation.
0: thinking of it in the sense of globalization. I think this is like a paradigm shift in human communication and globalization that we just, I don't think we really quite quite get that yet. Um, yeah. The fact that I can have a conversation with somebody in Africa one day, and the next day I can have a conversation with somebody down the road and not really know the difference anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. That's something that humans, and the, the amount of information.
1: People That's great. You're right. Have. Yeah. All right. Next one, the printer.
0: Underrated. That was like Underrated. the first thing that made made the virtual space of computing real, right? It's like, before then, you just like designed something on a terminal. <laughs> afterwards, like, you could hold it. That's how they marketed it, right? It like, yeah. Like, you could yeah. hold that in your hand. Yeah. yeah, underrated. That, that,
1: yeah, and no, I agree. I mean, I I guess I have two sides to that. To me, it's like, all right, who uses this printer thing anymore, right? You know,
0: but well, some people use it by ink. That's when <laughs> you realize this thing sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right, all right. So,
0: yeah. higher maybe le- overrated? How about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, nowadays, yeah, yeah. All right, maybe higher level that. education.
0: Higher level education. Hmm. I, I only know. ask
1: this question because I think about, you have some of these people who have come up, with, come up with these these amazing innovative ideas, right? And they never, you know, finish, right? Some some of the higher level education, but then you also have people that have gone through the ranks, right? And yeah. still have. So I just want to know your opinion, right? You know, just off of
0: it. Well, it's like I'm thinking of that, like, you know, programmer who taught himself how to code in high school and then he go gets like $150,000 at Google right <laughs> you know, did higher education serve him probably i would say it's it's overrated for the people who just think you have to go through the ropes to get a degree to get a good job which unfortunately mm-hmm. is you know the truth of you know, exactly. how things are a lot society of is like that right they exactly. make it like yeah. like it's just it's just a means to an end so it, it yeah i don't know it, depending on your situation it might work for you and what you want to do um but i think it's underrated for people who Really like to learn about stuff because you were just thrown in an environment with some of the smartest people in the world who just have a playground of some like the intersections of all the best things about humanity, right? It's like right. one building is biology, one building is the arts, one building is some guy who spent his whole life thinking about like how frogs walk, right? It's right. Like, yeah. Esoteric <laughs> thing like that. That like he's the world expert on that thing. His passion mm. is that. And that is just a really cool thing that I just I know there's a lot of hate for university right now. But just knowing that that, that potential of what it could be when like really smart people hang out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I, agree. I completely agree. You know, so I, I already know what you're going to say about this one based off of what yeah. you do. already. Uh, but uh, research.
0: Underrated
1: underrated man it is completely yeah. underrated. In, in my eyes when i look at it you know just real quick i think about how the younger generation right the elementary school kids i mean that should be probably the number one class that should be implemented into some no, of these no,
0: they don't need it they don't need yeah. it the younger kids are fine because they do it norm right like you've talked to like I, a t- you have kids right I mean, yeah, 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 we're inquisitive all the time. Or right? they ask you like questions about the most random stuff. Putting stuff in mm-hmm. their mouth, like breaking yeah. things. To do what, right? We're not. It, it's it's after that. where are like we somehow devised the best system in the world to beat out inquisitiveness of people. Right? Mm-hmm. Like like sit in your desk, do what you're told. Just do what. Like I was saying with education, just yeah. do whatever you can to get the grade, to get out of here, to get a job, to support your family. Which you know. For most people you got to right. do but there's another way where you can you know like what you do along the way and explore the world right. and be happy for it and, right so that's right. our fault that's our gener- generation above us fault that we we somehow did that to those kids
1: but, right 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 all right i got two more real quick
0: yeah, the, zoo, the zoo what'd you say the zoo underrated well Sanctuaries are underrated. The zoo, Uh, it depends on how it's ran. Okay,
1: sorry. (laughs) All right. And then lastly, grilled cheese sandwich.
0: Underrated.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: (laughs) That's the go-to.
1: It's the go-to, man. It's the go-to, man. What's
0: the easiest thing you could eat at like 2 in the morning?
1: Who are you telling me? If you make it just right, I mean, it's mind-blowing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. So thank you again, Keelan. man. No, You're thank awesome. you. This was awesome. So guest. You know, um, I, I definitely think we should keep in contact, man. And I'll, uh, oh, yeah. I appreciate you being on the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I'm your host Dapper Data, and 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 Keelan, where can they reach you at again? Uh, LinkedIn or anything like that?
0: Yeah, uh, LinkedIn, my website uh, kwcooper.xyz or kwcooper.com, both points same place, um, or just Google my name. It's a unique name. It's a yeah, yeah. It's hard to pronounce, but easy for SEO. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I should pop up. And thank you, Mister Dapper Data. This is. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like the coolest thing that you're doing, and I'm. Thanks, man. Thanks I'm for I am a fan. I'm a I'm a committed fan. I will tune in. Oh, I appreciate
1: it, man. I appreciate yeah. it, man.
0: Yeah. Is there yeah. uh,
1: yeah. is there anything that you uh want to promote or anything like that that's going on coming up soon?
0: Uh, not much for me. Um, I, in the science world, I'm we're about to publish a big paper. So if you happen to be academically inclined, stay tuned. Um, yeah. If you're interested in in AI, head over to Continual AI. Um, it's just a community of people from all walks of research and in industry and academia and just, you know, high school kids who love to code. So hang over to that website. That's continualai.org. Yeah. Um, and hang out with us. That's what we do. We just talk about AI and, you know, build cool things. And yeah, learn to code if you haven't already.
1: Right, right. right. your right. life. Always promote, promote that, you know. Well, well, thank you again, Keelan, man. You know, I know we got a hard stop, man. So I want to make sure that the audience knows. Definitely check out Keelan, man. I appreciate everything you're doing for the uh, AI community, neuroscience community, and data community in general. Um, you know, and, and audience, you can meet me at MrDapperData.com, uh, uh, at MrDapperData on any one of the social media platforms,
0: you know. Love
1: you all. Peace. All right. Yeah.
0: Bye. Hey. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to The Data is My Science Podcast. The show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data.